0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you. 905-529-7165. And you can also check out their website, Andy and Don, all one word, AndyandDon.com. You can check out old shows there, as well as ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning. To see you. Scott. You, Scott? Nice to see you. So uh you guys have been mulling over the federal budget for the last little while? How's Crunch, that? It's, crunching oh, numbers that good reading? Yes. Oh, it was like the best kept secret in Canada. <laughs> Nobody even knew
1: it existed. That's, or it was coming. <laughs> yeah. didn't, well, make, didn't, did, didn't make too many headlines, oh, did it? You, know, you heard about, oh, yeah, budget. And there was a little bit of buzz saying, what? and this happens at every budget. Yeah. What will they be doing this year? Will they be increasing the amount of tax on capital gains. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, what impact would that have? And the, and people are actually starting to get a little angry about that. Why would they do that? And you're already having these conversations and that would have a direct impact to any investor, which basically is almost everybody now, mm-hmm. um, you know, you very few people that are just relying on pension funds these days. So you have that and you're just saying, you, you know that they're running deficits. So you're thinking, where are they going to tap the next source for revenue? And as it turns out, it was almost like crickets to a certain extent. There yeah. wasn't a lot. We're gonna go over what yeah. there was, but it wasn't any big headlines, nothing and, and Because there's no election on the horizon. Good point. Yeah, yeah they're not giving out lots of stuff. But mm-hmm. on the good note, they didn't take a lot of things. Yeah. They did that on the first budget. Yeah. Where they where they hit a lot of people on the very first budget with big tax increases. Mm-hmm. Um, reducing tax free savings account room. Um changing our corporate class so that we couldn't have that anymore as of January 1st of this year. So you can't move things around without paying capital gains. So all the big, big announcements, so to speak, were, were there last year. And they're thinking, okay, well, as we get closer and closer to election time, this is so common, and, and we've been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost we'll do start off with the massive budget the first time, and and you know what, people aren't gonna be too happy, but too bad, we're in power, yeah, we can do that. It's a honeymoon period, <laughs> yeah. And then as we get closer to election time, we'll start giving away a couple of trinkets at the end, and uh, say for example, reducing hydro
0: right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: as you're starting, as I heard a commercial on the way in this morning. And about <coughs> what oh, does
0: it say when people? I don't know if you're talking about the same commercial I heard, but I heard a commercial on the air and it's from a car dealership. And then it says, Our payment will be less than your electricity payment. Ah, what man. does it say when consumers or rather uh, car dealers are using yeah, the yeah. electricity prices as a means to get time you to, to go buy. off the grid? <laughs> uh, yeah, and oh, you're seeing the popularity of Kathleen wow. Wind, like I think it was 12%, 12% last time
1: I heard. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so. Obviously, that one hits hitting home, and and now you're starting to see a lot of backtracking. So politicians, their number one job in the last one or two years, yeah. or particularly the last year, is simply getting reelected. Yeah, because now all the people's jobs are at stake, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, at the what we should be doing, you know, if you if you had an unbiased, if you didn't care if you're re-elected or, or not, you should be doing what's best for. The economy yeah. for the individuals for the people that live here, and Canada has done a, a pretty good job over the years. The biggest thing is uh, tr- try not to run too big a deficits when, particularly when times are good. Too late for that. Wow, that's exactly mm, yeah. it. that's true. You nailed it, and that would probably <laughs> be the biggest risk of this budget is that this year, actually last year, they expected a a deficit of twenty nine point four billion. Mm-hmm. Now, if you say it. It doesn't sound like, you know, twenty four point nobody knows what a twenty nine point four billion is. It's a huge number. And it came in at twenty three billion. We should be happy it was only twenty three billion. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a very common it doesn't matter what um, <coughs> political party, this is a very common tactic mm-hmm. where they throw in that we're gonna be have a, it's a be deficit, terrible yeah. and then they come in a little bit less. And mm-hmm. so, wow, we did a lot better. We really tightened it up and we gotta tighten it down to only twenty three billion. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is 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 horrible, particularly since really the economy isn't doing badly. Mm-hmm. Okay, oil prices were down. Mm-hmm. That would be the only real poor part. You look at unemployment rates. You're looking at Ontario. You're looking at other provinces other than Alberta. They're generally doing pretty good, mm-hmm. um, relative to uh, like a recession period. Yeah, and usually run a lot of big deficits in recessionary times. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds that we're running them anyway. So, and that seemed to be the biggest. I say complaint of people isn't the fact that it was a it wasn't a lot of say gusto in mm-hmm. this in this budget, but it was that okay we're going to run this twenty three billion last year we're going to run another one for twenty eight point yeah. five billion next year yes and we're going to run another one for twenty seven point four billion the year after if you go back to when they were elected I think by year four we're back to a balanced budget a balanced budget yeah, right
2: yeah. No. no way that's on track
1: I don't see that anywhere. No. In fact, they don't see... They are, first of all, they don't even see a balanced budget ever now. Right? And that was actually a discussion we had prior to the election yeah. that we don't see how you can run massive deficits and all of a sudden turn the country around yeah. and then, oh, wow, hey, look at everything balanced now. Mm-hmm. You know, could you imagine it's if... It's going you,
0: to take years. Oh,
1: imagine if you had a mortgage a house and let's say the house is worth a million dollars, just a nice round number, and you owed 500000 on it. Now, was your overall debt. And instead of paying it down, next year you owed six hundred thousand on it.
2: Yeah, but my house is worth one point one now. Ah,
1: <laughs> there you go. Or one
2: point four <laughs> in Toronto. <laughs>
1: well, the way we're kinda of going, it's not six it's not six hundred thousand. It'd be more like, okay, it was five hundred thousand dollars and well now it's seven hundred thousand. Sure it's growing, the economy's growing, that's a very good way to look at it. Yeah. Andy. Mm-hmm. But the deficit, there's no it's not coming back at all. Yeah. Okay, and so you do have to reel this in eventually. And I gotta say that does scare me a little bit. Um, I do like seeing debt paid down maybe I'm a little bit uh, debt adverse mm-hmm. uh, I know most you know most of our clients don't like a lot of debt you know then and that's why a lot of them are in very good financial shape it's not based on running debt on the other hand debt can help during recessions to kind of get the economy going my concern is is well, if we were in a recession then what do we do mm. we've already yeah. run a deficit
0: yeah
1: and we've already got an interest rate super low um, what other triggers do we got left to pull mm-hmm um, and usually they actually reduce income taxes. Um, so maybe that's the one because they certainly could do a little work there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, how do you how do you deal with a, with a deficit? I mean, it's inflationary. So you do run risks of creating uh, inflation into the system by run, continuing to run deficits as well. So, you know, you're, you're spending money you don't have. And, uh, and that's, you know, again, in a strong economy, you're hoping that that would, uh, eliminate itself through growth in the GDP but uh, and we were talking about innovation and that being a big, big p- factor in this whole budget. And uh, just one of the statistics was the number of times innovation was mentioned in last year's budget was 100, mm-hmm. and this year 364 times it was So mentioned. we're
0: even more innovative than we're, we were last time. We're clearly <laughs> we're talking about it more.
2: <laughs> we're three times We're talking about it three times as much. Yeah, yeah. Well, that in the <laughs> But talk class. is cheap. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Middle, middle class is another one. And it, yeah. And it's interesting. I know when Pierre Trudeau back in I guess the seventies middle class and helping the middle class was a big selling
0: mm-hmm. feature,
1: and it's interesting, uh, even going back to when Pier- uh, when uh, Justin Trudeau was elected, okay our middle class is doing pretty good, in fact, it's the best it's ever been, but sometimes part of a job of a politician is to create a problem that may not even exist mm-hmm. and then talk about it as if oh wow, we really got this problem and so and 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 it really isn't been the case where well, I think the middle class has been doing very well but every time it's kind of like their their line yes and this will be helping the middle class mm-hmm. and this is our middle class budget make building a stronger middle class and uh, so far um, you know with low unemployment rate you know it, it has been a pretty good middle class and I, I'm not quite sure if there's a continuity there or if it mm-hmm. actually makes sense but it is a great Slogan.
2: Yeah, what I was looking at one of the things which was eliminated in this budget would be will be future Canada savings bonds. Uh, yeah. they're gone, and we've had them for years and years. They were the um, the stalwart, the sort of the mainstay of people Why would they to, do that? To accumulation. Well, the current uh, current Canada savings bonds rates are about 05 percent, point eight percent, and the competition is so strong in that sort of liquid, easy money or quick money market that there's this these high interest savings accounts that are now. Paying Paying one and a quarter percent, one percent is very easy to get. Some of the credit unions are paying one and a half percent for your short term money, so you just—they're not even anywhere in competition to that. And the sense of security that people have—it's the government of Canada issuing these bonds. You know, I'll I'll take a little less. What they're realizing, as long as I'm not exceeding my hundred thousand dollars in an institution from an account standpoint, I'm protected under CDIC, uh, Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. And so the the Canada Savings Bonds are gone, and I guess basically people it's just easier to access your money through other venues now than it is through Canada Savings Bonds they're going to continue to honour the ones that are in
0: place. Have they just become obsolete then or will this change if interest rates go up?
2: There's no market for them right now they're obsolete in the sense that they're not competitive to the marketplace out there Mm -hmm. Uh, the marketplace has said listen we want that money deposited into our institution Mm -hmm. as opposed to in the hands of the government and we can do a better job in terms of then making money off of that money that's Mm -hmm. really what it's come down to so as a result we can offer a much more competitive rate and as you know through electronic systems etc it's so much easier to access that money Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of switching it from an account or getting it into your hands to use it for a project you've got coming up so Canada Savings Bonds gone I still have some clients with them Mm -hmm. in their portfolios. so those will continue to be honored going forward but uh, basically unwind them
1: out of style in a way yeah they have a little redundant and now waiting you know, month end, you don't get any interest if you cash them in between months. You have right. to wait until the first of the month to get your full interest. But really, at the end of the day, they're not competitive. They, you know, if the government's going to borrow money, this is. A, I, I think they're just missing the boat on the Canada Savings Bonds because why wouldn't they say, okay, you can have this Canada Savings Bond, and we'll pay you. We'll give you one and a half percent. half percent. Yeah, yeah. It's still really cheap money for the government. Yeah. Rather than trying to say, okay, well, we got a lot of loyal people that buy Canada Savings Bonds, they're going to keep buying regardless. Yeah at half percent, no matter how bad the interest rates are, well, the Canadian public's a lot smarter than they give us credit for. Yeah. They'll just go to another institution, as Andy said, like a credit union, and get it at over 1%. Yeah, And I think there's still a lot of people that would have bought the Canada Savings Bonds, but they, they, I think they lost touch and have to be still have to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And going back to the date when they first came out, there wasn't that many alternatives. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, you had a, a one-year GIC. And to a five-year GIC term deposits a little bit, but Canada Savings Bonds were extremely competitive. In fact, if anything, they were paying better than the going rates. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to my university yeah, days, exactly. but I remember you know hearing about these 17% Canada Savings Bonds. Wow! You know they were amazing, and yeah, uh, yeah.
0: and what were interest rates at that point? <laughs> well, they were but up there. Ha- but how yeah. complicated? Oh, was 19 it? and had, a
2: half. You had a piece of paper, a sheet of paper with coupons that you had to clip. To, and, and bring them in to collect your interest. But, I mean, it really wasn't that uh, <laughs> user-friendly. Um, one of the biggest, one of the things that actually caused the most number of calls to me was the capital gains changes to mm. capital gains exemption and how people were going to be taxed on capital gains and in particular i had uh, two clients whose uh, whose young younger family members were looking to be buying a house in the coming year and really concerned about should i trigger capital gains prior to this budget or should i wait till after
0: mm. yeah Uh, More on that coming up. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them at 905-529-7165. You can check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Find old shows there. And you can even ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Talking about the federal budget and what it means to us.
1: Yes, uh, for those small business owners out there, There was, you know, possibly something that could have impacted you there. And this is, they've changed things from build-based accounting for professionals. So basically, if you are a dentist, a doctor, um, some professional that has their own private corporation, Mm -hmm. and let's say you build for your orthodontic work, okay? But it may take a whole year or two years. So it's work in progress to get that done. Well, what they would do is they would build the expense say the orthodontist would bill for the expense in the current year, say 2017, but it wouldn't get done. And some of it would get done in 2017, some in 2018. And if you're like my daughter, she's now 27 years later and she's still seeing the same one. But again, they could spread over the revenue. Okay. So you get the expense, but they would spread the revenue over as many, as long as it would take for Mm the work to be done. So it was kind of a, it was just putting off the revenue. So it was a bit of a deferral, mm-hmm. but any kind you can, can defer tax, there's a benefit in that. So p- particularly for these people that are, you know, in a 53% tax bracket to begin with, why pay now? I'll pay next year or the year after the year after, plus I get the expense this year. Mm-hmm. So they are going to um, not allow that anymore. It's going to be phased over two years so that they can kind of wean them off this. So you, the day you, so if you went to the orthodontic now and you wrote a check, and it cost twenty thousand dollars for your Tadana work. You build it. You got the money. The expense and the billing are matched in the same year. Right. Okay. So you can't put off that revenue. So that was the the really the only thing that affected um, for professionals, which everybody's a big sigh of relief. There was like, "Whoo! Thank God, that was uh, that's it. Okay, I can deal with that because that was just a deferral. They're going to pay the tax on it eventually. But what was more concerning? is there is a some a lot of advantages for a private corporation and certainly if there's any you know any any corporate owners out there right now certainly give Andy and I your call if you need a second opinion cuz this there's a lot of uh, people that are actually our largest accounts would would be corporate accounts and the fact that you you can put money into these corporations you're paying a low tax rate around 15% but it ends up being a ma- a very big asset because you're able to invest that money and have it sit there and it can be literally your retirement fund Mm -hmm. so as you you have your old age security you got your Canada pension plan you maybe your RSPs but for corporate corporation owners they also would have this corporate account that will give them a flow of income when they retire Mm -hmm. so this is a a very well-known and you know very popular way to accumulate some wealth this is what the corporate owners were worried about are they going to ex nay this Um, Are they gonna increase taxes for um, the small corporations or just take them away altogether? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they going to say, okay, you can't pay dividends um, to a non-arms length person, for example, Um, meaning you can't pay dividends to your spouse unless she's working in the practice Mm -hmm. or your child or children um, or any any other relative. So they would have to be non-arms length. Well, that didn't happen, okay? So thankfully they left that aside. The other part is simply just the idea of income splitting in general with a corporation. There's this, uh, it gives you that uh, that extra layer of income splitting for a high income earner, such as a doctor, they're making over 220,000 a year. Well, my own opinion, they deserve it. They went to school for 10 mm-hmm. years, you got your life in hands. Well, then they're taxing at 53 and percent. So they are trying to find any avenue they can to reduce their taxes mm-hmm. or at least defer the tax. Because at the end of the day, they do have to pay the tax when they pull it out of the corporation. Mm -hmm. So they may be paying 15% now, but when they pull it out in a form of a dividend, they do have to pay tax on it as income to them. The idea being that you've deferred the tax or you're in a lower tax bracket at the time you take the money out. So you save tax one way or the other. And thankfully they have not done anything to this, but they are going to be reviewing this in in this, uh, in this year. So 2017, it is on the table whether they'll do anything we don't know but again the fact that it is one of those kind of you know tax loopholes so to speak it's it's in it's in their scope. It's it's in their crosshairs, and they are taking a look at it. It's at a it,
2: it's a big one, and uh, as yeah as they say, they're going to be releasing a paper in the next couple of months, which will be a discussion point in terms of the policies and the basically what they're looking at in terms mm-hmm. of how to restructure this. And uh, so anybody who is a business owner, the typical structure has been you know you you create shares of the corporation, your your business, and you would have different classes of shares. Mm-hmm. So I would have a class in that would say be for the owner and a class for their spouse and a class for their children. And let's say they had four children. So you'd have up to six different classes of shares. And then you could declare different amounts of dividends for each class of shares, which was effectively a way to shift income in terms uh, to a lower income individual mm-hmm. or family member. So if it's uh, if it's a non-arms length individual, like a non-family member, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference. So this will be something that's going to be important for people to follow. Don and I will be following it over yeah. as a couple of months and we'll certainly update people once we see what the paper is or what the proposal is as well. Um, so I was talking a little bit about capital gains before uh, we, we mm-hmm. uh, the last section. And um, so I did have a situation where uh, two clients were uh, their children were looking to be buying homes in the next uh, 3 to 6 months and in one case we did trigger the sale of their investments uh and the capital gains in a res- as a result of the potential that they were going to increase the rate of tax on capital gains so currently if you had invested $10,000 it grew to $20,000 you had a $10,000 capital gain you sell mm-hmm. and you sold it under the current rules, only half of that gain is taxable. So fifty percent is taxed, fifty percent is tax-free. So that number could easily be adjusted. Mm-hmm. And in the past, they've triggered, they've played with this in previous governments, where in some cases uh, they used to say the first hundred thousand of capital gains you didn't have to pay tax on, or tax inclusion rate was seventy-five percent instead of fifty percent. So this number has bounced around a lot. Uh, we'll see what happens. They might have a progressive one. So depending on the amount of capital gains you have. You might pay more and more and more and more. Right. So there's lots to happening in that front too. And, uh, and the thing, this is, this is probably the most concerning from a planning perspective because how many people today, I mean, yes, you're building money in your RSPs, you're building money in your TFSAs. And then beyond that, you begin to think about non-registered investments and, and that's where you would be earning your capital gains. And now if you're thinking about, I'm going to use that money to provide an income for me at retirement. Well, right now we're planning on only having to pay tax on half of the gains. Yeah. But now if you have to pay tax on three quarters of the gains, well, that just reduced your retirement income. Yeah. Yes. So by default now you either have to save more, you know, work harder, work longer, save more, or accept less income. Yeah. And really what it is, is just the government saying, we're going to take some of your retirement income, the growth on your investments, to fund our future costs and expenditures. So, uh, and it's really on the backs of retirees for the most part, yeah, because um, you know younger families. As I say, there is a small group where they're saving for a home right now, and they might have some capital gains, or you have short-term big, you know, a, a big expenditure where you're looking to trigger some of this. So, the question now becomes: do do we do we consider triggering capital gains now at fifty percent? as opposed to maybe that might become 75% and it's beneficial to pay some tax now as opposed to pay a higher tax later. Mm, So all of that is really, really important from our perspective and particularly for people listening, you know, as you think about how do I create an income for myself at retirement and what's that income gonna look like, how much tax do I have to pay?
1: Mm. And you know, at the end of the day, it's so good to have a, a third person, a financial planner at your side so you can ask these questions. How does this affect me? What should I do? As opposed to guessing. It, it's it's a tough, you know, you've taken all your life to build up this your net worth. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, now what? And your job wasn't ever to really keep track or, or find ways to deal with your net worth. It was to create it. Yeah. And now you got this net worth, however it's devised. And what do I do with it? How do I structure it so that my kids don't pay half of it to the government? Mm-hmm. Or I don't pay half to the government when I want to take, take an income. Mm-hmm. Or what's the most conservative route? To uh, allow me to take advantage of any tax rules I can um, before they're gone. And so, yeah, that's a, uh, anytime there's budget, it, we do get a little bit of noise in the office um, and, and questions from clients. And it's, you know, it's always great. Uh, we're all, our ears are always kind of perked up and there's always this kind of restlessness before a budget. And this one, thankfully, wasn't that much. But Andy said in the last session, they're just about on the backs of the retirees. Yeah. Well, the last budget. Was really about being on the backs of retirees mm. and estates, Yeah. because yes. of raising the interest rate, I'm <coughs> uh, sorry, the tax rates to 53.5%. Um, the whole idea, well, this is for the rich. It is really for all those RSPs that have been built up. Yeah. And now they're. paying... I think people are really getting that. People,
0: you know, because everybody says tax the rich. Not until
2: you're rich. an executor or a beneficiary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's and when most you, of them
0: And then see you it. see that you know, when we all die, we are rich. We are in that. That tax one bracket, year you are if you have if you have a house. Yeah, yeah.
1: the one year you're rich because all your, your all your RSPs are cashed into the year of death. Yeah. So that person that worked at. Some defined contribution plan such yeah. as the Fasco, mm-hmm. was always considered middle class. On the year of death, they're rich, yeah, and they're paying fifty three and a yeah. half percent. Yeah. So, our job, and this
0: to me, this is politics more than anything. Because we, because we all know, the largest segment of the population is the baby boomer demographic that's right. making its way through, and as you guys have talked about it, it's going to be the greatest tra- uh, uh, transfer of wealth from mm-hmm. one generation yes. to the other and we're spending so much time concentrating on the young people and millennials, where's the dough coming from? Nobody's paying any attention to what the seniors are gonna pay when they sell their house or or pass away or what have you.
1: And and this is where I think the seniors really have to go to CARP uh,
0: or any other
1: body, retirement body such as that, and really voice their opinion. Because Mm -hmm. if they're quiet, they will go after the estates even more yeah, because yeah. it is a, a massive pot of money that eventually they can tap into. And, right. and TFSA's last year, when they reduced it from 10,000 5,500, again, it was a, a loophole, so to speak, for the retirees. Because yeah. they use it more than anybody. Yeah, It's not for the rich people per yeah, se.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, the, What's $10,000 for them?
0: Yeah,
1: But for the ones that are downsizing from their family home to a, a smaller house and, and putting some money aside, this is now usually it, it, it can go into the TFSA. Yeah. Well, what a great place to have your money grow tax-free and go to your kids mm-hmm. tax-free. Yeah. Well, when they limited that, again, that's going after the estates, yeah. which are really the retired people. So, that, Which now a lot of the
0: millennials are depending on because they're not oh. making any money. Oh, you're not kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul here. Yeah,
1: it, it, it does have a trickle down effect. No yeah, question. Yeah. Or a trickle up, whichever way you want to look at yeah. it. So, <laughs> it, is a, it is a factor. And this, this budget here um, didn't really touch anything because really the big tax grabs, you could say, were last budget a year ago. And this was a little bit of window dressing, a little bit of easier types of things. So, such example, um, the medical tax, um, uh, sorry. The, oh, like ca- the, the, caregiver the caregiver tax. The yeah, yeah. caregiver yeah. They simply amalgamated three different caregiver taxes mm-hmm. and made it one, which is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Now, why make it more complicated than it really needs to be? Um, the one thing that I'm not quite sure, maybe Andy, you can ask you can find out here, is if you're if the person who is the dependent uh, made over sixteen thousand one sixty three. yes. Um, they lose one dollar for every dollar over that.
2: That's right, and it's, so the total the total caregiver credit is six thousand eight hundred and eighty three. So as soon as you're as soon as you uh, the individuals, the in- infirmed individual, the person mm-hmm. needing care, if their income goes over twenty three thousand, you've basically lost the whole credit. Uh, now this is where. From a tax planning or from a financial planning standpoint, you really want to begin to analyze that. So if you're on the cusp, if you've got somebody who's dependent on you and they are a spouse, for example, then um, making sure you income split properly is going to be key because you want to get them under that $23,000 threshold if possible. And one thing that often gets forgotten is something as simple as Canada Pension Plan. And when, because it's going to be based on your net income, what is your net income? If it's over 23000 you get zero credit. Uh, with Canada Pension Plan, you have to apply to get it split. It's not something that you can do after the fact on your tax return, massage the numbers every, any way you want. You have to apply for it in advance and it only becomes effective after you apply. So if you if you just did it now, you're going to have maybe, you know, 9 months left to mm-hmm. qualify that, to actually split your Canada pension plan, but the purpose of that strategy would be to lower If you've got different amounts of Canada Pension Plan, you want to lower that person, that dependent person's Canada Pension Plan income, by shifting more of it over to the one that's not dependent, Mm -hmm. and therefore you get more of that credit. Same thing with pension splitting, making sure that you're splitting pension properly to lower that person's net income. And, uh, And then ultimately, any type of investment income they've got, is there a way to then accommodate or move that income out of their name, Uh, and and again, lower their net income to below 16,000. So it's worth about a thousand dollars in terms of reduced taxes. So it's a significant amount. And, uh, again, it's just comes back to proper planning when you've got a situation, if you're, if it's a spouse, uh, a parent, a grandparent, uh, all of these people qualify. And if you're the caregiver, it can be split amongst a number of different people if they're providing support, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't have to be living in your house anymore. So there's just a few nice simple. They're trying to simplify it, but you got to really focus on making sure that you've manipulated and adjusted your plan for your net income mm-hmm. properly.
1: And, and again, this comes to RSP withdrawal planning, and and to the most part, most people just say, okay, I don't have to touch my RSP to seventy one. If I need it beforehand. Uh, you know what I'll grab it at that time but otherwise I'll just defer it and I know Andy and I've talked about this for years is it's just about okay let's plan this that this is a massive tax hit so this is like consider like a tax bomb it's gonna go off sooner or later Mm -hmm. so when do you want to pay it so we want to pay this when you're in a lower tax bracket so you you can claim your old age security okay so you don't lose your old age security still you get that but again as this last budget you if, if there is something such as a caregiver's tax can we then have a lot of the RSPs eliminated so that now they qualify for this. And maybe we've shifted all of their funds into a tax-free savings account. So if you you go fast forward this and let's say all your money now is in a TFSA and between you and your spouse, you have $120,000 right now in tax-free savings accounts. All that income is tax-free. Any withdrawals are tax-free and you would qualify for that caregiver's tax. Or in fact, you'd actually qualify for guaranteed income supplement. So it's important to really look at how we can not only plan your taxes this year, but how we're going to plan your taxes for the next decade and and for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And and finally, of course, is to plan your estate so you're not giving 53.5%
0: away. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Phone line's open. You can call now and leave a message. They will get back to you. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. Don't forget to check out the website, andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button and check out old shows there as well. Talking about medical expenses and how to claim them.
2: Exactly. So one of the things that they're expanding in the terms of medical expense tax credit is the costs incurred related to the reproductive technologies. And those are previously, they were generally only available uh, eligible if they were a medical expense. Uh, there's an, say an existing medical condition such as infertility, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, But what's happening now in the budget is going to extend that eligibility of the medical expense tax credit. To include costs related to the use of reproductive technologies incurred by individuals without a medical condition. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it'd be very difficult to actually be diagnosed with the medical condition to be able to then qualify for the tax credit, the medical expense credit for your costs relating to fertility, drugs, etc. So the budget—it's now going to re, 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 eliminate that. So anybody who had to spend money for reproductive technologies, uh, they can go. They can from 2017 and on. They can apply for the credit, but individuals can also elect to use that measure and go back. Previous ten years, so anybody, I guess, for listeners out there, anybody that you know who uh, a family member, if they had to incur drugs or costs or infertility expenses um, to in order to have a baby, they can go back ten years now and be able to look at using that as a tax medical tax credit.
0: Mm, yeah. Wow.
2: And, and and the only other one i want to talk about t- uh, quickly too is the principal residence exemption and the principal residence exemption this was it this was first came out in october last year where they were talking about tightening up the rules around r- Uh, declaring and documenting principal residence uh, sale transactions. So that has now become uh, law. And basically on this year's tax return on Schedule 3, which is capital gains and losses for 2016, you must report the sale of your principal residence. And that, that information would include Um, If you sold the home last year, basic information, what was the date you purchased it? uh, When was the date you purchased it? What were the proceeds of the sale? A description of the property. And that's all going to be completed on Schedule 3. Here's the key. If you forget or you fail to report the sale of your residence in 2016 or in any later year. I forgot. Ah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, You can ask CRA to amend your tax return for that year and and have that actually filled in and, and updated. Here's the kicker. They will accept late designations, but penalties could apply. And it's as much as a hundred dollars for each month that the designation is late, mm-hmm. up to $8,000. So 80 months, so seven years later kind of thing, uh, sorry, six years later, you could go back and say, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to declare I sold my house in 2016. And they could actually hit you with a $8,000 penalty. So basically the onus is on you as an individual to make sure that when if you've sold your home, you need you must declare it mm. and you must writ, write that down. You're not going to pay tax on it, but yeah. you're going to have to declare it. Mm. And this is part of a catch catchment for how can we get more tax? We need to pay attention to what's going on with principal residence cuz too many people have a cottage and a home, so they just want record of it, and they want record of it. So um, now they can track exactly when properties have been sold, and if there's an overlap, they'll then be able to tax one as an investment and yeah. not, pe- and, and avoid people double dipping in terms of the principal uh, exemption.
1: Hmm. And it's interesting, also, there always been this plus one rule for for owning a principal residence, where uh, again with. Uh, with your home, it's always been a tax-free asset. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it you know, you bought your house for 200,000, it's now worth 700,000, it's 500,000 tax-free. Mm-hmm. But when you moved up from one house to the other house, you actually had two houses that year. Okay, you sold one to buy the next, mm-hmm. and you claimed mm-hmm. tax-free for one, the whole principal residence. And the so you actually got, it's called the plus one rule, where that particular year where you bought and sold one, they were both principal residents one year. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the only time you're allowed to have two principal residents. When, o- when they
0: overlap. When they overlap. As a deal is done. Exactly. So
1: exactly. What they've done in this budget is really to kind of cool things down a little bit is the foreigners that are not a resident of Canada who own a home mm-hmm. in Canada and they're, they do not get that opportunity to have that plus one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So certainly all ca- doesn't affect the residents of Canada, but they are trying to perhaps cool down the flipping of condos or, yeah. or whatever. And that's, what's been going on in Toronto. It's particularly a lot of foreign ownership here. Yeah. I know you live in Oakville, Scott, so you, mm. you do see the, uh, the influx of yeah. foreigners. Um, and I know a lot of my Oakville clients are saying it's it, the whole landscape has changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's even the, the closer you get to Toronto, I believe it's even getting more mm-hmm. so. And so, uh, the same thing happened in Vancouver mm-hmm. and it's trying to, again, just try to hopefully uh, cool down the market a bit. So that's, you know, maybe our kids can afford a house someday. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, I think one of the important parts of this too is that in the past, we never really had to pay attention to if we did a renovation on our home, if we, you know, added a garage, if we did uh, uh, major updates like a new roof, these, these are costs that for anybody who has a second property, we all know that we keep track of those costs, Mm -hmm. particularly a cottage, you know, if I had to put a roof on, I had to do what, all of those things increase the adjusted cost base. And the adjusted cost base is the number that's used to determine when you sell your cottage or you sell your property, how much capital gains you're gonna have. Mm -hmm. Well, now I think it's incumbent on all of us to start keeping track of it on our homes here in the city, our principal residences, because there could be a time when you actually end up owning a second property and there may be a time when you decide, you know what, that second property has gone up more in price. So now I need to keep track of my what I've been doing at home, our house here in the city, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to sell that one. I'm going to sell the other one for my principal residence because it went up more. But I need to reduce the capital gains tax on my home here in the city by keeping track of all those adjustments, all of those improvements that I've done along the way, mm-hmm. because that increases the adjusted cost base. Never an issue in the past. If you, and if you only ever own one home, you probably wouldn't have to do it, but I think it's going to be important to start keeping track of it on our own principal residence. And that's it for the future. Going forward, Yeah. yeah.
0: Interesting. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out their website, andyanddon.com, or give them a call now and leave a message. They will get back to you. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. We're budget busting We're budget busting. Just let's, mm-hmm. hit, let's
2: hit a few more before we finish up. And uh, one, one additional th- thing that was expanded was the tuition tax credit. And the tuition tax credit, the budget proposes to expand it to include tuition f- uh, for, uh, for occupational skills courses occupational skills courses that are not at the post-secondary level, so they don't have to be university or college Mm. programs. Um, The course must be taken to provide or improve the student's skills in an occupation, and the student must be turning 16 or older during the year, and the measure will apply to eligible tuition fees for courses taken in 2017 or later. So really just an opportunity to say, you know what, we're going to continue to educate, our education system has to continue to allow people to build on their skills, improve their skills, and make them uh, viable employees and so I think that's a uh, great way to do that too by continuing to expand what you can have as a tuition credit why not
1: well shockingly enough they decided to tax alcohol a little bit more
2: <laughs> boy they never do that <laughs> wow.
1: they increased it by another two percent
2: remember there was every budget has that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: sin taxes yeah. yes yeah, and yeah. they and they did it again um, increase the excise duty rates on alcohol pro- products by 2%. Effective. Next year, it's
2: going to be alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana. Yeah,
1: yeah they'll get another the one in there. will yeah. be increases. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, the good thing is duty-free is still duty-free. So yeah. when, you, when you go across the duty-free store, you can still get it without tax. And uh, that's only going to make the lineups that much longer <laughs> <and> <laughs> across the border. Really? So, um, it's interesting enough, uh, tobacco tax it actually did eliminate the t- uh, tobacco manufacturer's surtax. Now they gotta be careful with tobacco taxes mm-hmm. as they will right. with um marijuana yeah.
0: because it encourages contraband tobacco.
1: Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that same thing's gonna be happening on the yeah. other side when yeah. you know uh, I guess it was just announced this past week that uh yeah. Canada Day is uh, July
0: first uh, next year.
1: Is going to be now called uh, Pot Day, I suppose, or <laughs> Cannabis Day. Cannabis Day. There you Cannabis go. Day yeah.
2: cannabis instead <laughs> of Canada Day. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's a good one. Okay. I know, didn't of, hear the, that. of
2: all the opportunities to pr- announce that, you know, it didn't Mm-mm. seem like I don't think that was the greatest timing of it, but whatever.
0: Well, who knows? Oh. Y- you know, you'd think it'd be done just in time for the 150 birthday par- <laughs> 150th birthday party, 50th birthday party, but I guess they're going <laughs> to wait. It'd be 151.
1: Well, I have a have a feeling there may be some partaking <laughs> in it, or a little early anyway. <laughs> that's right.
0: <It> started already. <laughs> 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 well, walking down Toronto or any city. I see, know. You, you it's bizarre, it's, isn't it? It's almost it's like bizarre, Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
1: You
2: can walk through a na- any, any neighborhood and you yeah. are smelling it now. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, that's a that's a careful, you got to be careful from a government standpoint because if you increase taxes too much in tobacco, mm-hmm. it increases the contraband. So they actually get less revenue. Yeah. And and I remember it was about 10 years ago, they chopped, literally cut the price in half. Yeah. And trying to hurt all the basically there's a lot of uh, contraband in the Indian reserves, mm-hmm. and uh, they were trying to attack
0: uh, all those, yeah. and it did work. Yeah. Running cheap started, cigarettes yeah. in the country, they say yeah. it. a third up to a third of those <clears throat> consumed are contraband. Yeah, and yeah. as they raise the amount. tax again, yeah. they start
1: going right back. Consumers yeah. <clears throat> will adjust. Economics does work. So if you increase taxes too much, we they will find another place, mm-hmm. and that's where they've gone. So, uh, so increase t- alcohol tax slightly and tobacco uh, taxation. A slight decrease in one part of it and a slight increase in another part of that. So going after the syntaxes. Wow. Uh,
2: EI, but EI benefits. EI benefits are going to be extended for um, a woman who is going on maternity leave.
0: Right, I heard about she this. She can
2: now uh, expand that over 18 months. Mm-hmm. The, cu- the couple could expand it over 18 months, take a lower amount, same, dollar, same, amount same, total, amount, same right? dollar amount yeah. total, same dollar amount total. But uh, they did increase the number of weeks that she can take that prior to the delivery. So it used to be up to eight weeks prior to the delivery. She could yeah, yeah. Go, you go on to EI benefits. Maternity benefits can now start another four weeks earlier than that, 12 mm-hmm. weeks prior to that. And uh, yeah, really that's, that's about it. So just a, a, some more flexibility in terms mm-hmm. of EI and how you use that, particularly around maternity leave.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the opioid overdose treatment drug, Nath, Naloxone? Naloxone, n- 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 yeah, the one. Yes, yeah, so they decided to take the GST and HST off that drug, which is… Uh, Good for them. Yeah, I guess it goes with the delay in the uh, marijuana. Yeah, there you go. De- <laughs> so they decided it's, to… Yeah,
0: this is a life-saving drug that they sure. want all EMS to have. Yeah. yeah. So if they encounter it, it's There's they no can at least bring the person back to life. Exactly. No yeah.
1: GST, HST on that drug, but they more than made up for it from the largest taxi cab competitor in the industry by now taxing with GST or HST Mm -hmm. or both on Uber. Mm. And that was kind of interesting because to be honest, I didn't know it was taxed anyway. Um, So I'm sure the taxi industry was up in arms and it should be fair competition. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. It should be a level playing field because really they are just another taxi service Mm -hmm. and I'm surprised there's actually... Taken this long, yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a good tax,
2: yeah. Uh, public transit, on the other hand, yeah, they've cut the tax credit that's been eliminated. And if you live in a, a large size city, that's up to probably about two to three hundred dollars a year mm-hmm. that that would save you in tax by being able to uh, get a tax credit yeah. for your monthly pass to a public transit. Mm-hmm. So that seems kind of counterintuitive it to does, me. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I especially guess especially
0: when we're moving towards that. Well, we and, more and, and
2: that's right. More and more people in major cities have to use public transit mm-hmm. to get to work. That's the only way. And uh, so I guess I, maybe they felt it was somehow biased to large metropolitan areas and nobody maybe. else got really any benefit from it. But at the same time, it encouraged people to get off the road and it, it helps people because the cost of living in a metropolitan city yeah. is a hell of a lot higher. Yeah, That's for true
1: sure. enough. And the, the one was kind of interesting for me, and I don't quite know, but there must be a good reasons behind it. Is they're going? They're eliminating the investment tax credit for childcare spaces, which provides a 25% non-refundable tax credit on costs incurred to build this extra childcare spaces in a licensed childcare facility. So they were getting a benefit for increasing um, more childcare mm-hmm. spaces. Which on the other hand, they're saying how oh, we have to provide more childcare. Yeah. So unless there is mm. people just simply putting in space and, not, and and it really wasn't for childcare because I think this is counterintuitive to most of the politicians saying we need more childcare spots and this was an incentive to create them. So to take it away, I'm not quite sure the reasoning behind that one.
0: We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And, of course, check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. I'm Scott Thompson. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week, gentlemen. Thanks, Scott. See
2: you, Scott.